0: This week on the Lions Den, in recognition of International Women's Day, regular host Charlotte Cutter speaks to Catherine Bishop, Olympic rower and graduate of Pembroke College, about the challenges faced by women in sport and how we can enact change. Um, Lovely. So, um, good afternoon, Kath. It's lovely to have you with us on the Lions Den this afternoon. Um, Obviously, Um, the day this podcast going up, it's International Women's Day, which is very exciting. Um, The theme for this year is Choose Challenge um, and all about kind of, uh, you know, defying limitations and tackling those challenges um, head on that, you know, women still face um, in society today. And really all about celebrating women's achievements. So it's a real honor to have you here talking about that today um, as a woman who's um, achieved a great deal in across careers. Um, So, yeah, I just thought it'd be great to start chatting about how do you think maybe um, the kind of the pay and the sponsorship and the visibility in sport in particular um, needs some more work.
1: Hi, Charlotte. Great to be here. Thank you for inviting me on. And yes, I I love this opportunity we get with International Women's Day to take a step back and think about where we've come and lots of good progress and lots more women's um, sporting stars, uh, incredible sportswomen who I think we are getting a little bit more visibility on, but also to think about who are the ones that we still don't have enough visibility on and So where have we come and and where have we got to go? And and I think it's, yeah, the the choose the challenge kind of motto, the mantra for for, for this year's International Women's Day is a really useful one, challenging the status quo, challenging where we still need more change and and thinking about the different areas. You mentioned too, salaries and sponsorship. I I think we can look at any aspect of women's sport from how it's portrayed in the media um, to how they get paid to how we view it, how we have access to watching women's sport, um, to sponsorship uh, and you know I suppose thinking about in the future of sport how are we going to, how are we starting to consume it differently and how can women's sports maybe play to that a bit more because I think there's always this question of whether women's sports are somehow trying to catch up and be like the men, whether actually we can start to redefine sport um, on our own terms and thinking about how we want it to be and I think the latter path is going to be a much more healthy path because I'm sure the men would like to redefine and uh, and reshape a lot of um, their own history and, and where they want to go in the future. So I think that's really important that we think about what's right for our sports and the stage of development they're at and where they want to go. Some are more advanced. Some, perhaps the women's football, are much further advanced in setting up structures from, from grassroots to, to elite level. Not that there isn't still a huge amount to do because we're still catching up on, on time, if you like, development time. But I think there's a lot of structure there. In, in other sports, it's slower to come. And I think we just need to think about all of the, the different angles in which we can support that, either through the sports we all play, whatever level we play, how can we contribute back to, to clubs and communities, make sure that there are women's voices on, on the committees, making decisions, you know, all levels um, so that we can get in there and and start challenging what happens, you know, in our own rowing clubs, our own cricket clubs, our own hockey clubs. This doesn't all have to be about kind of national level change. Of course, we want to still see that sort of increase in, um, you know, support at the top level. But I think we hear that from the leadership. We hear it from UK Sport. We hear it from the government. So the will is there. And it's about thinking about all the different places in which we can actually contribute to that change.
0: Definitely. I think that's, it's interesting how you bring up about contributing to change on kind of a local scale. And I think sometimes it can get a bit overwhelming when you almost look at the whole picture and think, wow, you know, there's a lot that needs to go on here for things to get better, but, and that can seem very overwhelming, but I think you're definitely right that looking at your own, maybe sports club or sports team, um, and thinking about, okay, how is this, how is this spoken about, you know, how is women's sport discussed? How does it come up in dialogue? Um, I've definitely noticed at a university, you know, there's a couple of things that you think, oh, you know, like, would that, would that be said maybe if, you know, I was a man or this was a man's sports team. Um, And sometimes it can just be the small things of, you know, choosing the challenge to say, actually, like, you know, turning around and say, okay, would you have said that to me if I was a man, um, and it doesn't always have to be these massive scale changes, because actually, we can all make those very small challenges in our own kind of day to day sporting lives. Um, I think something that I've heard um, a lot, I'm sure you've heard as well, being, you know, playing, um, being a woman in sport, reporting on sport, um is men and sometimes other women saying to me, oh, well, it's just not as exciting, is it? Um, And sometimes you think, "Okay, well, what do I say to that? Um, You know, how do you respond to something that's so engaged, so in kind of grained in people's memories? How would you respond to something like that?
1: So I I hope we're moving in quite a good way in that one, just in terms of seeing how many people turn up to watch the FA. Uh, the women's cup at the FA, you know, Wembley, in in, in the days when we could have crowds, we in seeing, you know, seeing how it was sold out at Lords when the England women's cricket team were in the the World Cup final there. So oh, I think was we've amazing. Got quite. Yeah, it was. I can really remember that. Yeah. Um, so you know, again, viewing figures for you know England women's rugby teams, that they're, they're rising. They're, we're not we're not there yet, but they are certainly not stagnant. They're not, and they're not going down. So that tells me that there's an interest. I think it depends on really have to think what what do you define as exciting? Um, are you sort of looking for something to be the same as the men's game, or can we start mm. to see the women's game? For what it is in its own right, to see the different display of skills, of pace, of tactics, all of those elements are there. Now, when you watch the Olympics, which is actually going to reach a new level of parity this year, um, fingers crossed that, that Tokyo goes ahead, um, across sports, you know, equal numbers of men and women now. I think across, I think across all the sports, you know, it's going to be another level of, um, uh, of equality in teams there. I don't see less viewing figures for women's races versus men's race. Um, I mean in Great Britain we've had equal numbers of women Olympians winning medals in in the kind of recent cycles um, and just as much interest I mean think back to that England women's uh, sorry Great Britain women's hockey final in Rio where you know the 10 o'clock news Incredible. was shifted <laughs> where the whole nation was sort of gripped by this sport and in the wonderful way that, that only the Olympics kind of brings these these wonderful moments where it goes beyond sport to a, to a wider audience so I don't think that final was something you would say wasn't exciting otherwise millions wouldn't have tuned in so i think that's you know a bit of a, a kind of empty phrase i think we have to think about what we're looking for um and and seeing a much richer broader picture of what sporting stories are about because there's a whole lot more so that we can learn from seeing the the wider breadth of stories about women that we can connect with, relate to, understand that half the population want to see, you know, women out there living those stories on the football pitches or the rowing lakes or or netball courts, um, you know, living the highs and lows, seeing the resilience, seeing them managing under pressure, seeing them kind of ha- reaching those moments of brilliance when it counts most. And so I just want to have more of those stories um, I can't see anything that's less exciting about any of the ones that, that I've been witnessing in recent years.
0: No I completely agree and I think that's something that I've found particularly doing you know the work that I've been doing the past couple of months is the stories that I have been able to hear um, from an amazing selection of women in sport um, is just anything but not exciting do you know what i mean i think um something that i think is often you know it's interesting and it's not really spoken about is obviously the professional aspect um and how okay so now we're in kind of a COVID world of sport and athletes are having to professional athletes be put in a bubble in order to train which means you can't do Your day job, which if you're not a professional athlete, like most of the women's top level teams, is a real issue. Um, So the Six Nations, the women's rugby, for example, that just hasn't been able to go ahead because, you know, they can't miss teaching or being a doctor. Um, And that, I think, almost multidimensional aspect of the female athlete is so interesting and so complicated that these amazingly talented women at whatever sport they happen to do also have you know i'm not saying that obviously the, the men don't have a lot going on in their lives i'm sure they do but it's not often the same when actually there's a lot of plates going on in the air and it's it's not always spoken about it's not always it's not always acknowledged
1: which i think is quite sad i think it, we have definitely seen that question mark over at what point are you professional? And what is, what's the impact of that in your daily life, as you mentioned? And I mean, certainly that was an uncomfortable moment for government ministers and for all of us to sort of see uh, men's elite teams return ahead of women's elite teams. And I yeah. think that's left a kind of that, a, a, a difficult taste in the mouth of you know DCMS in, in, in Whitehall and, and other organizations. That isn't what was intended. But it is an indication that we have progress to make in these areas. Um, I think that's uh, the, the public nature of those moments has forced people to rethink how do we um, support women's teams to professionalise. You know, it's not something that the difficulty is not something that can happen overnight because you need that sustainable basis on which to achieve that. Lots of sports are working towards that. I think it's potentially an opportunity for us to sort of you know say it's too slow this needs to speed up and you know we need both the kind of national governing bodies and government working together and sponsors to kind of help speed up that process and that i think is for me perhaps an area where we've got to challenge more there is progress but it's slow isn't it we want it faster in some of these areas um you know we want to the the media to move on there's still too many times that i look in the newspapers and see pictures of men's teams and i literally look through to the back and find one article on the women and and that holds us back from uh getting the gains that we could get from sponsorship um i think the world is also moving beyond print media so i don't think that's as critical as it was 10 years ago because actually whether whether um fans can access women's sport digitally and and in other means and through social media that that enables women to have a different platform and that platform is becoming increasingly valuable to um to sponsors so whether we're going to change the print media quickly enough I don't know but that in itself is also a sign that the print media is, is is allowing itself to get behind the times because I think we've got ever you know an ever increasing number of um, female athletes willing to speak out you know around the world Naomi Osaka massive role model um Serena Williams Megan Rapino mm, and and incredible. interestingly that's some of those are on that level where they do have a significant income and status Um, they are using that for good. They are using that to make bigger changes. There are several um, female athletes investing, for example, in America in the women's um, kind of football leagues. Uh, Again, you know, putting the money where their mouth is because they're able to do that. And that's interesting because they can then be that catalyst for accelerating change. So again, you know, probably looking for the old ways simply to change isn't enough and also won't come in a way that we can define ourselves. And so I look much more to these role models who are showing a different way in which women athletes can use their platform through other means to then get that exposure and and invest in the next level of, of, uh, you know, the next generation of women's sports coming through.
0: Yeah, definitely. And how, obviously you've had a, an incredible career as a, as a, a rower um, in our, you know, when you, we spoke last term, we kind of went through all of that. Um, but how do you think you've kind of chosen to take, take on those sorts of challenges um, in your own career in sport and beyond, um, really? That's a big one.
1: Oh, it is, <laughs> and it's an ongoing one. I think in the world of rowing, um, We've come quite a long way. Again, we've got further to go, but there was always this sense of um, the men's race is called the boat race and the women's race is called the women's boat race. Now, I refer to it as the men's boat race and the women's boat race. Uh, And actually, most of the commentators and and the um, the the media and sort of Claire Balding uses those terms now because it's almost practical when they're on the same day in the same place, then you would talk to, we've got the men's race first and then the women's race first, but we still got that language lingering in rowing, in rugby, in football, the World Cup is um you know it's so obviously the one that's about the men and the women's one has to be defined so there's some language things that need to be addressed but i think we're shifting that within rowing because you see the commentators talking about that and i've certainly always kind of used that terminology just makes sense and often practically when you're discussing you need to differentiate which ways are we talking to when we're talking about preparing or organizing or what happens on the day So I think the language is starting to shift. We obviously now have merged the boat clubs and we have the Cambridge University Boat Club that represents all the university crews, open weight, lightweight women and men. And that has been a massive step. um, And one that actually in the end Um, accelerated to happen last autumn and enables us then to to run the boat club in a way that um, has the men's and the women's preparations alongside. And that's that's a massive change. And so being part of that has been really exciting. And having the university's support for that, the vice chancellor and the pro vice chancellor did a lot to kind of help us get to that point. Um, and and the men's club have done a lot to understand and kind of connect in and and see that that we we all need to be. Um linked up you know we're better together from a performance perspective but also from a much broader sporting perspective thinking about our alumni thinking about the future generations to come to train here so i think we've seen some great strides there um i think there's you know there's always more to do to make sure that the details within the culture are are constantly moving but with each generation that comes through the the goldie boathouse doors you know, the, these things move fast and that turnover of students is really helpful for, for change to happen um, outside of, of Cambridge. I've always been a strong supporter and advocate and, and ambassador for the Women's Sports Trust that, that through a range of programs seek to increase the visibility of women athletes um, at, at all levels um you know again in in my work with another organization the true athlete project we are looking to change the environments within which athletes train so that everyone can thrive because actually again the bigger picture is making sure that we have sporting environments where men and women can thrive and, and quite often in the olympic and paralympic world um we don't have the sort of same separation you might have in football or, or cricket those or rugby those kind of really really massive sports Um, and so in a lot of our sports then the way we organize things to create cultures that include uh support for well-being support for um you know compassion in high performance and mindfulness and social responsibility and building this platform as role models is something that needs to move on for men and women in those sporting environments and doing a lot of work through the True Athlete Project and and general kind of activism with UK sport and the other bodies to ensure that actually those sporting environments have cultures in which both our male and female athletes can thrive to, to a higher degree and have longer careers and more fulfilling careers beyond simply counting the medals that may or may not come at the end of it.
0: No, definitely. I think also that's why I'm so grateful that we get to have this chat because in, you know, forgive me but from, you know for many um, young women and young girls you'll be a you'll be a role model both in you know sports and also career and I think having that visibility of um, you know successful women to talk about their achievements and how they've overcome challenges um, is really important because it can be quite intimidating sometimes and um, particularly when you see things you um, Men achieving things on a particularly high level um, and you maybe in a personal circumstance feel a bit more um, isolated or held back um, what would your advice be to maybe young um, athletes or young female rowers who are struggling with that sense of um, kind of the the fear it's the fear really of um, you know succeeding and how to deal with that and how you'll be perceived as a woman because I think there is always an element of perception that comes with successful women and it's not always wholly positive in both people's conscience and public media. Um, So how would you um, advise young athletes um, to cope with that?
1: I think it's a really interesting question and uh, it's a complex question. It's not one thing. Um, I think it's really important that we define success in our own terms. That's probably the biggest message, um, that it shouldn't be something that's externally put on us, that we want to do what the men have done or or that it's just an outcome. Sport, as a metaphor for the rest of our lives, whether it's studying or or working, um, is about exploring our boundaries, finding out what's possible, failing along the way, frequently failing, but, but learning from that and constantly growing through that. Um, And so I think it's important to think about um, finding those role models, as you said, and there are plenty around, certainly in rowing, certainly in in Cambridge, there are plenty around who have been part of CUWBC now, CUBC, um, and and many like myself, former alumni who've stayed in the sport, Um, you know, finding those mentors to have those conversations with, um, talking to female coaches as well as male coaches thinking about um success in terms of the experience you want to have the learning the growth you want to 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 kind of achieve on the way to the outcomes but not just solely depending on outcomes outcomes in sport depend on so many external factors we can't control they often the weather and umpires and referees and and injuries play a huge role there are all sorts of things so we need to be using sport uh, as a way of just exploring our physical and mental capacity in a way that goes on beyond each race you know yes we get a result the results are important the best way to optimize the result is to just be on that constant improvement curve learning from others reaching out to others reaching out to people in different sports learning from them reaching out into other way other performance worlds music theater where um, you know academia where we're looking to improve we're just looking to learn there isn't really a an end point where we're ever perfect even if we win a race and we've got another one we, we need to go faster Uh, the next generation the next olympiad people will go faster so there's that sort of constancy to what we're doing rather than feeling there's any one point where we succeed or fail and that makes some judgment on us we need to rethink success about each training session we go to what do we get out of it how we again pushing ourselves how we at the moment with with the kind of motivation challenges that we all have from from the the sort of lockdown situation How can we be kind to ourselves sometimes and um, push on the days we feel like it, but look after ourselves on on the other days? And all of that is about learning how we thrive, how we can be at our best to help us in sport, but also to help us in the other aspects of life. So really be careful about how we define success. Don't make it short term. Don't make it too narrow or too short lived. Make sure it's got the kind of meaning that lasts beyond the results that, that we want to get, but they need to have a sense of meaning for what comes after them.
0: Definitely I think that's it's so important um you know not just at Cambridge but um in life definitely and I know it's something you, you know you speak about in your book a lot which is absolutely brilliant um and yeah I think I feel very lucky to be at Cambridge you know women's sport at Cambridge I think is is really phenomenal um and But kind of looking up, we do have a long way to go and it's great that we can um, have these sorts of discussions openly um, and hopefully, you know, challenge some sort of change to happen
1: in the not so near future. Definitely, you know, let's define our own success, define our own future, and make sure we're contributing to that change, you know, small positions as a volunteer, on those committees, on the clubs, you know, we can be part of part of that change.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think there's a lot to be said for also, you know, doing it for yourself, but also paving the way for others. And sometimes, you know, you can all... know you can all lift each other up and you can do bits for other women and um you know pave the way for others in the same way that others have paved the way for you that's definitely how i feel at cambridge um which is you know there's a lot of women who've gone before in an incredible amount of areas of sport who've done some amazing work so hopefully international women's day people will have a think and have a read about some of those inspirational women um and yeah learn how to change some things so thank you very much
1: great to be here that's the spirit of international women's (laughs) day isn't it you know we're part of a bigger family and we're all challenging for change
0: thank you for listening to the lion's den make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to follow the bluebird on facebook twitter and instagram to keep up to date with the world of Cambridge sport.